I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 5, By Faith Are All Things Fulfilled, Studying Ether, Chapters 12 through 15. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. So how did you enjoy Ether chapters 12 through 15. Enjoy is not a word I would necessarily use to describe these chapters. They're pretty bloody, pretty sad, um, but very informative as well. So what do we learn about the natures of God and Christ in these chapters? Um, Jumping straight into it, I would say in chapter 12, verse 18, um, we learn that Christ follows after God, that God, that they are of the same, they're cut from the same cloth, right? So things that Heavenly Father says are things that Christ also emulates. This concept of miracles after faith is definitely something that is um, emphasized in this. Um, And Christ shows us how to do the same thing, which is really important because our ability to follow God based off of our own experiences is going to be, um, I think probably the best word is incomplete because of the nature of our humanness. Whereas Christ, who is perfect, was also human and also understood the realities of living here on planet Earth but still was able to follow God. And so we have through him a perfect um, path with which to follow. Um, I think sometimes our tendency is to forget that God and Christ have the same purpose and that they are unchanging. Um, We think, I think, um, at least for myself, sometimes I find this tendency to think of God as kind of the plague-inducing, lightning-throwing enforcer of the Old Testament. Um, and then to think of Christ more as this all-loving, all-accepting, gentle lamb of the New Testament and Book of Mormon. And the reality is that, yes, those things are true, but they're also true of each other as well. Um, Christ is also an enforcer, um, you know, obviously minus the lightning. That's a Zeus thing. God never actually does that. Um, and so Christ is also an enforcer and then God is also loving. And I think sometimes Christ's ministry, especially, I don't know, especially right now, it seems like Christ's ministry is misconstrued to make it sound like he was this like free love and peace kind of dude. Where, in reality, he absolutely taught about love and he absolutely taught about peace. But he also absolutely taught that he requires people to give up their bad habits, to make changes in their lives, in their hearts, in their um, priorities, and to follow him, right? To give up the things of this earth, to give up our natural tendencies as human beings to, to follow him. Um, and he, like God, required faith, requires faith, 
before the miracles are done, right? So, um, next verse I thought um, that I wanted to look at in this section is 12, chapter 12, verses 12, verse 12. Um, it, pretty basic concept here, right, guys? Like, there's no faith among men equals no f miracles among men. Like, we have to have the faith, otherwise there's no miracles. And then Moroni lists several examples of this in, ver in the following verses, 13 through 20. Um, now we're getting to kind of one of my favorite parts in this little section of the Book of Mormon where Moroni lists his own inadequacies, um, in terms of writing, which I think is interesting when we think about the Book of Moroni, right? We have a book of Moroni. Um, and I feel like as a writer, I can say, I don't think he's an inadequate writer. I feel like he does a really good job. Um, I feel like he he explains things very clearly and uses really good imagery so you really feel what it is he's talking about. But for Moroni himself, he felt, in, in that, felt that he was an inadequate writer. He talks about how he has this like awkwardness of his hands. Um, and he compares himself to the brother of Jared who was this, like, as for him, was this incredible writer. And my favorite thing about this, first of all, is that Moroni was awesome enough to include his worries about his inadequacies in the Book of Mormon for all of us to read. Um, and then how Christ responds to him, um, the his response, so Moroni talking about his inadequ inadequacies is... Um, verses 23 through 25. I wrote down 35 on my notes, but I'm pretty sure I meant 25. Um, and then Christ responds in verses 26 and 28. And he basically has two messages here, which I think are wonderful. The first message is he is the one who gave us our weaknesses on purpose so that we might be humble and that we might seek his guidance, right? If we didn't have any weaknesses, we wouldn't necessarily need his help. Um, we want to have these weaknesses because they drive us to him, right? That's, that's the, that's their purpose. That's what they should do. Um, and then the second thing, which I think is probably my favorite thing is that his grace is sufficient to handle every weakness we have which of course it is when you think about the one fact that he's the one who gave them to us. Um, I think about this in terms of, like I said, I'm homeschooling um, our daughter. She'll be six in December, our eldest. And she is um, sometimes with the, some of the lessons, she struggles, right? Like, like we all do in our various lessons in school. Um, and and I can look at her and I, I know I can give her this lesson that I know is going to challenge her, but I also know that with my help, she can do the lesson, right? There might be some, one of the things we've started doing, or one of the things that we started doing from the very beginning is reading the Book of Mormon. We do, I, she reads one verse. It's not super long. And I tell her the words that I know she's not going to know, but the words that she's will know or words that she can sound out, um, I stay quiet and I let her figure them out. And I let her know, oh, the O is going to make the long sound in this word, or it's going to, you know, it's going to make a tricky sound. It's going to say this sound or, you know, whatever. 
Um, and so I just kind of think about that in terms of how Christ works with us and with our weaknesses and how he is, he is, his grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to handle whatever it is that we are struggling with. Um, which is, I feel like for me, really peace inducing. And I think Moroni says the same thing in, um, 12, He says, I know that thou workest unto the children of men according to their faith, which is so nice when you think about how some of us don't have the same skill sets as others, right? For Moroni, he was worried about his ability to write. Um, and the fact that he knows it's not about how well I can string together some words that is going to determine how Christ works in my life. Because you can't necessarily control that, right? You can't control the, the um, skill level that you start with. Um, obviously, you can do exercises and work and try to make your skills, you know, increase your skills. But you don't necessarily get to start decide where you start. And you do get to decide how your faith works, though. You do get to decide what level of faith you have. And that's something that you can control. And I think that that's such a blessing that that's the part that determines how, um, how the, how Christ works within our lives. Right. Okay. And the last part I wanted to touch on in this first little section is 1320. Um, I feel like this is such a good example of Heavenly Father in Christ knowing us, knowing our capabilities, knowing our capacities, knowing the paths that our choices are going to take us down. And that when that path is not their path, not the straight and narrow, when this is on a totally wacky wide path, um, they give us every opportunity to choose their path again, right? So let's look at what we learn about the plan of salvation in these chapters. And I feel like it's ma- it's basically three things, okay? We learn that hope is very necessary for us to make it through this life. It is It is going to be impossible for us to make it through this life without hope. You think about where Ether was. He warns um, Coriantumr that all this horrible stuff is going to happen. Coriantumr doesn't listen. All the horrible stuff happens. And Ether just sits there and watches this happen um, and tries to stay safe and out of out of the bloodbath. Um, and then you think about Moroni reading this and, like, you think about where he's at, about how he is the last of his people and he's all alone and everybody else who is left is wicked and trying to kill him and take the plates and destroy them, right? So hope is necessary. So the second thing is that consequences will always come. I think especially in our world now, and maybe this is something that's true always that I see it right now because I'm an adult in 2020, but it was also true in 1920 and it was also true in 1820 and in 1720 and all the way back to when it was just 20. Um, there's some things I think that are just part of the human condition. And this might be one of them that if our consequences don't immediately follow our actions, like if our choices, if it's not, oh, I made the choice to run this red light and immediately got hit by a car or got a, or got a ticket from a 
police officer, then a little part of my brain goes, oh, maybe it's not a big deal to run a red light, right? Um, if the consequences don't immediately follow it. And this section of the Book of Mormon is such a perfect example of the consequences always come. Even if it takes, what is it, like six to ten years for the consequences to actually come all the way through, um, they do come every single time. And the last thing is that opposition in all things is necessary and this is the key part, right? We have to have opposition in all things, but, or rather, and we get to choose which side we are on, right? There's Heavenly Father's side, and then there's the not Heavenly Father's side, and you get to choose which side you're going to be on. Um, and what I mean by this is after refusing to repent over and over and over again, and then spending years and years in war after war after war, um, losing tons of his people, Coriantumr finally, finally clicks and he's like, okay, maybe I'll try this repenting thing. And, um, he tries to repent in chapter 15, verse one, but the people by that point are too far gone. Um, they have allowed, um, Satan to have a firm grasp on their hearts and there's just, there's, there's nothing that they can, um, that he can do. So I just wanted to read that part real quick because this part, I just think, okay. So 15.9 says, but behold, the spirit of the Lord had ceased striving with them. So the spirit of the Lord is on one, is one side, right? And Satan had full power over the hearts of the people. He's the opposition. He's the other side of this. Okay. For they were given up to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds that they might be destroyed Wherefore, they went again to battle. Okay. Um, and I think that sometimes we, we, not sometimes, all the time, we have to work diligently to feel and to understand the spirit in our lives because it's very easy if we're not actively searching out that spirit to keep with us. Um, the world is a very spiritually offensive place in the sense that going out into it easily offends the spirit with what we can be around and what kind of music we're listening to and what kind of books we're reading and what kind of stuff we're watching on TV and what kind of language we use when we speak about people um, and when we speak just in general, right? All of these things, the spirit will leave if we're not doing the right thing. So we have to be very conscious about wanting the spirit to stay with us because when he leaves, there's that absence. And in that absence, the other side of it can come in and be like, Hey, I've got some mean stuff to say. And if this is good and hard in your heart and make it a little bit harder for you to hear the spirit the next time, right? That is by the way, a hundred percent gospel according to Donica and my understanding of how this works. Um, I don't have a general authority that can back that up, but based on my understanding of the spirit and, um, in my own personal experience, that seems to be how it works is you have to be working diligently to have the spirit of God with you. And if you're not, then it leaves room for the other side of the coin, right? It leaves room for Satan to come in and start to influence you and whisper in your ear. Okay, last thing, the application, okay? Um, one of the things that it asks 
that the Come Follow Me suggests that you read in addition to the chapters is The Infinite Power of Hope by Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf from October 2008. Um, I had, that was my first semester of college, you guys. I was a baby. Um, so I wanted to read this quotation from that talk. Um, the scriptures were written to the end that we might have hope. And so I read that and I was like, okay, so what hope do we gain by reading about the demise of Coriantumr? Because <laughs> there's not a whole lot of hope to look at in those, in those last couple of chapters, 13 through 15, pretty bloody, pretty sad. So then Ether, after witnessing all of this happen, Oh, I didn't write down which verse this is. This is like, the, it's like the last, it's one of the last ones. It's Ethers. Um, oh, it's verse 34. So uh, chapter 15, verse 34. Ether sa says, whether the Lord will that I be translated or that I suffer the will of the Lord in the flesh, it mattereth not. If it so be that I am saved in the kingdom of God. Um, and then I'm going to add to that. Elder Uchtdorf in his talk says, the hope of salvation is like a protective helmet. It is the foundation for our faith and an anchor to our souls. So you take these two things together and take it in accordance with reading about the demise of Coriantumr. And the thing that I kept thinking of is how our job here on earth is to do what Heavenly Father asks us to do. And I thought about all of the prophets like Ether, like Moroni, like Mormon, who preached repentance to the people. They were called to preach repentance to the people and it all fell on deaf ears, right? Um, and that the choices of those deaf masses who were supposed to be listening to them, but their hearts were too hard, their eyes were too blind, um, they their ears would not hear, right? That the choices that they make are not the responsibility of the prophets. The prophets did their part. They showed up, they tried to guide them as much as they could to make the right choices. But ultimately we all have our agency and the people chose not to follow. Um, and I think sometimes, and this was the part that this was the nugget of wisdom I felt, I, I kept feeling as I was thinking about this, is that, that sometimes, especially as moms, um, we take upon ourselves the choices of our family members um, and we forget that our responsibility is only to teach and model correct principles as best as we can given our humanness. Um, and then we allow our family to govern themselves and handle the consequences of their choices. Um, and I think sometimes we take the bad choices, the poor choices, and make that mean we did a bad job as parents. Um, and my husband and I are reading this parenting book right now. And I made a joke to him because it was talking about something a little bit similar. And I made a joke to him. I said, Heavenly Father was a perfect father. And he has Christ as a son. And he has Satan as a son. So agency is a big thing. You can teach your kids exactly the things they need to know. And ultimately the choice is still up to them. And so I think like Ether and, um, and like Moroni, we might have very heavy hearts about the choices that our children make or that our family members make that we don't agree with. But in these times, um, 
I found, I found some more comfort in Elder Uchtdorf. He says, in times of distress, we can hold tightly to the hope that things will work out for our good as we follow the counsel of God's prophets. And I think ultimately understanding how the plan of salvation works, understanding how powerful the atonement is, and understanding that we're doing everything that we can is what's going to give us peace. Um, and it's what's going to allow us to move forward and not be completely paralyzed by fear. I will see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Naptime Devotionals. Bye.